You're listening to Tiger's Eye, episode 11. Haka begins to speak. I let him. Every word puts more distance between him and Miguel. He strides down the street towards me, radiating controlled fury. Rao, I will ask you respectfully, for the good of everything you hold of value, to step back and let me dispose of this creature. You know that I do not wish to kill you. It would bring great sadness to me and every member of our family. You have to give him up. No, Haka. I am taking him back to his home, where he will cause no harm. No harm? This demon's spells are powerful indeed. If you cannot see the harm he brings with him everywhere he steps, you are entranced, Rawana. It is right to let go of him. How am I entranced? You do not act of your own will. Only his. Haka, I assure you, this is my will. Then where is your armlet? I traded it. Why? I needed something to better hide the cub. It is not a cub. I have made that abundantly clear. How could you give up something so symbolic, something so sacred? How could you turn your back on us? He lowers his long spear to the ground and circles me now. Dominant, threatening, angry, but controlled. I have put my back to the alley Miguel disappeared down. I want to believe it is a spell. Because to think otherwise... But I must accept what I see before me. This sickness you have been gripped with goes far back into yesterday. Long before you pulled that thing from the river. Your will is at odds with our family. They would have you be fruitful. Instead, you bring them meat. Enough. Night after night, denying your natural role. Enough. Trading one responsibility for another. Never attempting to forge new attachments to other mates, other cubs. Oh, enough! How dare you, Haka! That is neither a crime against our people, nor anyone's business but my own. How dare you! How dare you? I am saying this because it torments me to see you step away from everyone and everything like you always have. Always in the shadow. In the name of Rama, I just want you to be happy, Prawana. 
Why do you continue to punish yourself after all this time? Because it was nobody else's fault. I have nobody else to blame. There is no one else to punish. What the tribe needs beyond new cubs is leadership, focus. We stand here on this spot, far from our home, because you still refuse to let me go. Now is the time, Haka. If you let me go, I promise I shall not return. And tomorrow, you will forget me. I don't want to forget you. Then you must do what you trust that the spirits want. But I am not moving. You will not kill that cub whilst I breathe. Then that is your final decision. Yes. He springs upon me, shoving me down onto broken stone. His frame is heavy and familiar. I kick out with my hind legs and flip him back. We struggle bitterly until I am astride him, pinning his shoulder down. He grips at my throat and I smash my right paw against his face. His grip loosens and I roar at him with all my might, projecting my frustration and fury into a single, deafening scream. He roars back at me with equal ferocity and I feel his body ripple under mine as he launches himself up spinning me round and slamming me against the wall. He bites at my exposed neck and I push back savagely, twisting to face him and scrabbling for purchase. I kick his knee aside, putting him off balance, and he rakes his talons across my back, trying to steady himself. We are eye to eye, and I have no plan left. How could you replace Carol with him? His eyes widen in shock. Time slows. He gasps. He glances down, and there are two bone knives penetrating his side. Miguel stands beneath him, his tiny diminutive frame stretching and extending to pierce my attacker with his claws. Haka veers outward and away from me, howling in indignation and lunging for the cub. I stamp on his tail and slam my paws into his back, pulling him down again as Miguel darts away. Haka kicks out and catches my stomach viciously as he pulls himself up again and staggers towards his hated enemy. Dizzy. Miguel used snake rat venom. I dive in and crush him back down. If I can hold him for long enough, then we can escape when he is unconscious. Just run flat out. Head north. And then what? But Haka is too strong. He is frenzied now and shakes me off, 
this time freeing his club from where it hung by his waist. I raise my arm to intercept its course, but I am too slow, and the world spins away, my head exploding with agonizing white light. Am I dead? No. This hurts too much. But I cannot get up. My eyelids are so heavy. And through their drooping shutters, I can make out Haka closing on Miguel. My limbs are frozen. I cannot move. I am dimly aware of growing patches of cold spreading out over my body. A dart with a blue feather protrudes from my chest. Another is in my leg. When did these hit me? Were they hawkers? No, he has them sticking out of his back now, too. There was no noise to warn us of their presence. Haka is down again, kneeling up, but just as unable to move as I am. Miguel is looking off to one side. There are others here. With supreme effort, I shift my head to see the new attackers. They are lions, strangely dressed, carrying long, complex-looking weapons. Run, Miguel. No. No. They have already caught him. And Haka. And me. Why didn't I just... It is today. Carol is here. She is wearing her birthday tiara and sashaying around before the fire, drinking in the adoration. She bosses the other cubs around. I leave it a little too late to gently reprimand her, and she tilts her head sweetly, nudging it against my paw in apology, and goes right back to her bossing. Later that night, I go to bed early, just to curl up with her. It is today. She scampers up my father's forelimbs and perches on his shoulder, nipping his ear while he focuses on repairing the doll she broke. He would do anything for her and does a bad job of hiding this. It is today. 
Carol sits with her father's other children, impatiently jostling them while he speaks to the tribe. I creep up behind and nudge her to be still and quiet. I am only semi-successful. It is today. We begin training her in Tai Yar. She lacks focus, but when I get her attention for long enough, she turns the movements into a dance. She is so unbearably beautiful. It is today. We dance in the glades of the Saburi Valley. I was trying to teach her to hunt, but it became a mirroring game of graceful movements, all notions of predator and prey forgotten. I talk with her quietly about paying attention to me and learning from her elders. She says yes, over and over, her dreamy eyes surveying the jungle behind me. I light a small fire and curl up with her, nuzzling her head. She lays her paws upon my chest and extends her claws a tiny fraction, digging into me. It is today. I wake. I am alone. The jungle is still. Where is she? No. No. This is ludicrous. She is playing. I call out to her. It is safe. She will reappear. I will find her. I look under large leaves and behind trees. I crawl into hollows and peer down crevices. I take to the understory and scan the area, staring, scenting, listening intently. I cannot detect her. I search. I do not stop. I bound over every patch of the area, running on all four paws, struggling to control my panicked breathing so that I can still hear the world. I call her name. I roar her name. I race through the forest until all I see is a red blur. She cannot possibly have gotten this far. I double back and propel myself in the opposite direction. This place is unfamiliar. My heart is hammering in my chest. I feel sick. I feel sick. This cannot be happening. The hunt for our original resting spot takes too long. I put my nose to the ground and vainly sniff out the faintest of her traces, traveling downhill. But this is the trail we came up on. I am smelling the echo of our journey. This is the wrong trail. I am at a tar pit. The burning aroma is overpowering. Something on the ground smells of her. I can barely see it. The world is closing in. It is her tiara. This cannot be where she lies. She lost it when we passed this place earlier. Surely. Please. No. Seven gods, this cannot be what has become of my daughter. If you have the tiniest mercy in you. I bound away, smelling her again. Now I find I am leading myself back towards home. Where do I start again? Where do I start again? I returned to the place we had slept. The fire would have kept away small animals. It could not be another cat. Even a leopard would not come between a mother and her cub. 
Stories where exactly that occurred emerge from the shadows at the back of my mind. Behind them, in the blackness there, stands the Gagaku. Now, right here, alone in this empty, silent glade, the illicit thrill of a bedtime story becomes my waking nightmare. It is today. A tiger of the Durga tribe finds me. I am searching under rocks. He says I have been gone many nights. That other tigers have already tried to bring me home. I cannot answer him and continue my hunt until he grabs me by the shoulders. And I realize I have no strength left. As I sink to the ground, he holds me gently. I cannot look into his golden eyes. The shame held at bay for so long now washes over me. He says three words and it is over. She is gone. You have been listening to Tiger's Eye. Written and edited by Alex Shaw with a forecast. Haral, performed by Maureen Foley. Harker, performed by Spencer Lieb. Miguel, performed by Alex Shaw. Music by Kevin MacLeod.